Good morning, everybody. We're very pleased today to have Dr. Alok Pandey with us. He'll be talking about the soul and its significance. Uh, Alok Bhai is a doctor of medicine. He studied psychiatry in the, uh, Armed Forces College, and after serving there, he's now settled down in Pondicherry. He has held many diverse workshops and con- had conducted many lectures all across the world on different subjects. He is currently the editor of All India Magazine, which is the monthly magazine of Sri Aurobindo Society, and an editor with Nama, the Journal of Integral Health. Uh, over to you, Alok Bhai, and I request the participants to put in their questions in the Q and A box. Namaste. Let me start with a. little example from our everyday life at least the life in india as witness and of course in a certain sense uh, everywhere so we live in a house and we live with our relatives we have our sometimes parents the elders and for worship we go to a temple and when we go to the temple there is a priest who mediates between us and the deity so the house in the house the word of the elder is supposed to convey authority this elder may be parent this elder may be father hopefully things are changing it may be mother but it is the word of the elder that is the one which carries in a typical traditional house now all that is gone for a purpose but just as an example but in the temple when we go it is not the word of the elder but it is the word of the priest who is supposed to mediate between god the deity and us now this is a symbol actually it's become a very crude symbol but nevertheless it's a symbol which applies to a life so long as we live in a house and have not converted into the temple the word of the elder runs the household and who is the elder within our being if we look at our apparatus it is the mind the highest reach of the mind now that highest reach itself will differ in degree and development in each one but it is the mind which governs the house but from time to time there is a need felt that we should visit the temple and this temple is deep within us so we have to undertake a journey and there when we go before we meet the divine we have to meet meet the priest who is supposed to mediate for a long time priest is our mediator now this priest who mediates between the divine and us is the psychic being for a long time however we are not aware of it when a temple is being built we don't immediately contact the priest we normally ordinarily ask a contractor we have a blueprint somebody has a blueprint somebody wants to build a temple let's say a birla temple or some other temple minakshi temple so everybody is consulted and then slowly a temple is built there and at the end we bring the priest and then the priest conducts the sacrifice this is a normal course of evolution in human beings that the temple is the meant to be temple is the physical body which material nature builds and then all the different contractors the different people who will lay down the electrical system the plumbing system they all come in all the forces of nature and when it is ready then we have to install the then we have to install the uh, or bring in the priest and that is the psychic being however if we really want to lead a divine life the whole thing must start in another way it's a very interesting story some of us may be aware of the story of dakineshwar temple so the story goes that there was a time when rani rasmani who was the you know a very rich lady she wanted to take all the way journey all the way to kashi or some place to have you know far east to have a darshan of uh, the deity the divine mother and at that point of time she had a dream where mother kali came and told her that no i will come and reside here you build a temple so she builds a temple and it's a very very 
wonderful temple. She spends a lot of money. But then the question comes, who will be the priest? So she again came and said that the priest will also come. And then one of the two priests is Sri Ramakrishna Paramahansa and his elder brother. And the brother goes away or dies. And then Sri Ramakrishna Paramahansa takes over as the priest. Now, this is the story from another perspective. Ordinarily, it is the human mind decides, does things. And then it goes in search of the soul. Just to add as a supernumerary. This is one way of life. That the soul is there like many of us keep. Uh, you know, a little cupboard or a little space within our house, which we visit from time to time to pray. We go there to offer our problems. We go there to seek solutions, etc. But there is another approach to life, which is the more correct approach that there is the deity who decides, the supreme deity, that this is how a temple should be built and then the priest should come. We have a similar story about Shurabindu Ashram. Ordinarily, we have, you know, we collect money, then we build a place. But the ash, regarding the ashram, Shurabindu got a command that go to Pondicherry and he comes there following an adesh. He doesn't know how things will happen outwardly. And slowly, slowly the ashram develops, the Divine Mother comes and the whole place, uh, you know, develops beautifully. So the point here that we, we, we need to understand about life is that all true systems, living systems, whether it be a plant or an animal or a human being, operate from within outwards. This is a fundamental uh, thing to remember. They don't operate from outside within. But right now we operate from outside within. So we have our, you know, uh, everyday issues, problem. We are living a life in every which way. When there is a problem, we go to God and then we offer a problem. This is one kind of life and it's okay. This life has its own validity at a point of time. But the true life is always from within outwards. So if we want to lead a true life, we must discover who is the owner of the house, who is the leader of the house. It can't run in absentia. So seen from that perspective, the soul is the true leader of the journey. It is the priest that mediates between us and the Divine Mother. He is the true priest of the sacrifice. But this priest is yet to grow up. We know that Sri Ramakrishna was a child when he was brought to this temple. So the priest is yet to grow up. Very often this priest is captured in a prison or, you know, there are uh, stories like, you know, where psychic being is depicted as a prince. So we have Sri Krishna who is born inside a prison. So the true owner of the house, one who inherits the divine legacy. What is the divine legacy when this creation started? What was the first will that took over and impelled the one to become many? It is precisely that one becomes the many. Meaning thereby, in that very phrase, the seed of divinization is there. Often people ask that, is there an indication of divinization of life in this or that scripture? It is the original word. The word of creation is the one wanted to become many. So whatever is the one, that's how the many must become. That means that if one is the one, who starts the ball rolling is perfect. His truth, true existence, his consciousness, his bliss, his love, his sweetness, his light. Then eventually each of these units must become the same. It must become true existence. It must become fully conscious uh, existence. It must become a play of bliss within creation. So this is the impulsion. And for that, he puts a little drop, a portion of himself. The story which Mother beautifully says that when initially the gods go, they go and start building and then they start, each of them starts, uh, you know, thinking that it's according to me. It's like when somebody is, has the original plan, but the contractors are doing their own man money. They are doing things their own way. And therefore, there is chaos and confusion, like the, you know, story of the Tower of Babel. So in that chaos and confusion, each one is pulling in different directions. So what do you do? You go back to the original script, the original plan. That what was the plan? Now who is the original plan? The mind doesn't have the original plan. The mind will say ifs and buts and doubts and maybe according to this book, maybe according to that book. But the mind can never say with certitude that this is what I am meant to be. All the mind's certitudes are half certitudes. We all know it. It's a conditioning. When we are born, we are given a certain religious, social identity, we are given a physical identity, we are also told what we have to become, what we have to do. 
but this is only something which has been it's like a makeshift arrangement it's like a manager who is managing a house when the owner is away so time to time what does the owner do he sends his confidant that you go and see how things are going on so something similar happens with regard to the development of this little drop of the divine this little seed which has to develop fully into its full divine potential this spark which must develop into a fire that's what the soul is the soul is a drop of the true consciousness it's a breath of grace from the spirit and that resides in matter to carry it further toward the ultimate planet carries within it's the blueprint it knows that what is worm today will be a man tomorrow it knows what is man today will be the superman tomorrow it knows what is the superman today will be the supramental being tomorrow it knows that what is supramental being tomorrow will be the anandmay the other day so it carries its its that truth which is embedded within it as the entire tree is contained within a seed but the journey from the seed to the tree is a long journey it is fated in the sense that this is going to be because as is the seed so will be the tree so the assurance that life will be divinized one day is based on that but equally this journey has its own hazards like any other journey and during this journey when the soul is still like a little seed all the forces which are there forces of nature they start dancing about and they start waking up the soul and it is still asleep then they start feeding the soul but they will feed according to you know their own development depends upon this uh, person's waking up so for a long time the soul is trapped in much darkness it doesn't even know it is asleep so to say just like when a baby is in the womb it is completely asleep it doesn't know what's going on so the mother's thoughts are mechanically affecting the mother's feelings are mechanically affecting so to the play of nature is affecting that little seed baby within all this is going on while the baby is asleep like the story of shri krishna that when he is a little baby even putna comes dressed as a mother and she tries to feed him with poison but because the soul is immortal because that seed is immortal it grows it drinks experience like a strengthening wine it grows through the sweet bitter tragic comedy of life it grows through the waste that is poured into the soil and it grows through the water that is poured into the soil it grows through the sunlight it grows through the darkness exactly as a baby inside the womb knows not and yet it is growing and then a time comes when the baby is delivered or ready to be born and that's the time when labor pangs start so this is a process that happens within us for a long time our growth within of this soul is going on unconsciously everybody has a little drop there whether we see it or not and slowly all the events and circumstances of life the situations the ever changing scenarios the good and the bad of it what we call as pleasant what we call as sorrowful all of them are feeding sometimes sorrowful things are making it still more fast because there is an emergency you know when there is a war even young children sometimes take to the war zone 16 year old 17 year old because they want to fight for something noble and when things are peaceful then they grow up into whichever way so when there is pain this waking up takes place faster because you know it feeds the soul it feeds the soul towards growth of strength but still it is not yet the owner of the house it is still the baby inside the womb it is just being fed through the dark mother who is carrying it in the womb then a time comes when the soul is ready to be it is developed so first thing we need to understand that the soul goes through several phases of development through lives everybody has a soul but it is not in the same state of development this is first aspect and everybody has a soul but everybody doesn't have a psychic being so what is the psychic being psychic being is when this little soul develops a full fledged psychic personality but for that it must first be delivered at least we must be aware that there is a soul within and we must now consciously feed it right now we are feeding unconsciously so whatever the mother is thinking mother is eating the mother is feeling that baby is growing so there is a long time when this soul is being fed unconsciously by all the events and circumstances of life and then a time comes when there is labor pains so that's when people meet with a crisis there is stifling they feel they are imprisoned 
they want to breathe free they want to escape but they don't know where to escape so many of these during this phase the mind creates a lot of confusion so what does it do escape okay escape from parents okay escape escape from this relationship escape escape from this place escape go to another country so one is escaping ultimately a time come one says okay escape escape from the world and all its uh, you know rigmarole escape into nirvana but that's not the purpose of creation so that stifling feeling which is coming is to give birth to the child and this birth is a painful process there is nothing which can come without that and it's a stifling passage through which we must pass before we enter into that it's called as new birth when you are born into the spirit now this born into the spirit is not the end of the journey but beginning of a new journey so in other words to start with our journey takes place in two phases one in darkness and ignorance and most of humanity goes through like that still is like that where it is not even aware that it has a soul and then it it has probably heard it's like a house where you know some people are managing and you ask the manager have you seen the master no no but he sends me the pay so there are places like that and sometimes very interesting i have seen a you know uh, somebody had built a very very rich place in the middle of of a uh, you know hill and lovely place but this person who took me there used to come there once in you know a year for 10 15 days so i said that then who looks after the place so there was the caretaker and his family so i was marveling at god's plan that look the owner is hardly using this place and all their life these people have got money to live in a house which is so expensive and so well he has to i mean okay he has a side quarters but obviously he has to go inside see the place and nobody prevents him from using the facility so this is how our life is the mind is using this nature the vital is using this nature given to man and they are running according to their fancy when the owner comes says okay do this do this and few days before they start you know setting things right so much of our life is led like that like you know we go to the temple and we do all this we hold the years and do 10 times you talk better or whatever prayer then we come out and we say okay i have done my quota prayer now i can live my life the way i can so long time this goes on and then there is a stifling passage a crisis comes and this crisis comes when the mind the vital the body our friends relatives nobody can help us if one has gone through that phase of life it is wonderful it's a grace but very often that moment we start turning away from the grace that is the point of time we must just wait and if we learn to wait then after a while we see suddenly that there will be this new birth now with the new birth a new journey starts the same mother it's not a different mother who was feeding the child in ignorantly starts feeding the child consciously she becomes aware that now this child need this food no in front of the child i must be like this so we have the one mother in two poises there is diti or the dark mother she becomes the dark mother because the baby is not ready to be completely exposed to the light and then she becomes aditi the divine mother the bright mother so a new birth and a new journey begins that's when something of the soul is awakened usually this awakening of the soul needs some contact with its original plan so it has been sent with this plan that one will become many and you are me a portion of me dwells in you so what happens when we meet a master who is meant to lead us along a certain line or read a certain book or we open and find a phrase then suddenly there is the shock of the contact yes this is it we have forgotten the original plan in the process of the journey we are enjoying the journey we are facing the dangers of the journey suddenly one day you know people gather but where did we come where are we coming from where we have to go so much much of human life in ignorance is like that if you ask people where do you come from they will just you know speak about their mother or their parents where did your parents come from ultimately if you trace you will go to the origin you can say the origin is inconscient or the superconscious these are the only two possibility inconscient is impossible because out of nothing only nothing can come but it's possible that the superconscious gives the resemblance of the inconscient and from it things emerge like the ashwatthama so meaning thereby if we trace our origins we discover that we actually come from actually it's very logically it can be understood so when one is conscious so when one says who is your 
Where is your origin? One says, my origin is the divine. I am a child of the divine. So you see, when the child is in the womb, if somebody asks the child, who is your mom? He'll say, I have no mom. Who is your dad? No way. Nobody is there. The sign that we are extremely lonely. Who is your friend? No one. I have no friend. How are you leading your life? Miserable. Don't you see? But somehow I am being fed. I am being taken care of. Who is taking care of you? I don't know. Who created this womb and you came inside? I don't know. So this is the phase. And then when we are born, who is your mom? The child points out that, yes, he is my mom. He is my dad. So same way when we are born into the spirit, we become aware by the shock of the contact. The moment the child sees the mother, see, as they say, the child comes out and cries. Oh, it's a cry of breath because now it means effort. So there's the other part of it. When we are born to the soul, one of the first things that strikes us that now we have to put in our own effort. So this cry is not because, you know, uh, life is painful or life is a struggle. It's a cry of life. Oh, now I am a co-traveler. I am a participant in this journey. I am the one who is going to collaborate in this process. The original plan I must discover. And after the cry, what comes on the baby's lips is a smile. Where does the smile come from? By seeing its own mother. Now it recognizes she's my mother. So you see the psychic being recognizes in us the divine mother. The mind does not. Mind is itself part of the womb of the darkness. But the moment, and see, it's very natural. A child, how much ever the child may be troubled, struggling, suffering, just bring the mother in front. And after a while, even if the child is mock angry, the mother just takes the child in the arms and the child kisses the mother and says, Mom, I love you. So this is exactly the process when the psychic being suddenly discovers by the shock that this is me. It's not yet the psychic being, it's the soul. So this is the first moment. This is what is initiation into yoga. And the first step, what does the mother want? Not what the child will do, but the child must grow and develop itself. Because ultimately it is the child who will carry on what is there in the mother's heart. The mother has something in the heart. Now, in ignorance, of course, the mother has that he'll become a doctor, engineer or something. But the mother of wisdom, light and might, the mother of love, she has another plan for the psychic being. She wants each psychic being to become one like herself, like, you know, our Supreme Father, the Lord. The psychic being has to become one with him. That's what she wants because that is the original plan. So then the child has to, but first the child must grow. So another series of births or another series of processes intervene. The child increasingly becomes a conscious participant. But at every stage it must consult. So there are three stages. First is when the child knows it's my mom and whatever she does, she says the child does. Then the child is doing it mechanically. Then it has to do it consciously. That's what is conscious surrender. Right now it is doing because, well, that's how it is. He's following it like almost a dogma for his own safety, for his own security. But when the child develops, then the question comes, it may revolt or it may accept. So that's when the adventure begins. Now, if she, if the child accepts that, yes, mom, I trust you completely, has full faith in the leading of the Divine Mother, the psychic opens up and grows beautifully. Of course, the psychic always has faith, but it's these councils, members. So in the process of our growth, the growth of the soul, it's so important about the company we keep. And the reason is initially the soul is identified with the darkness of our nature. It very naturally is so much identified with the mind that it takes in the mind suggestions and thinks or rather takes it for real. It is so closely in it, but slowly it has to learn to disengage. And then it begins to start listening to the real to the true mother, the one whom it must listen. So the one who is meant to be our master, the soul is the priest and the master of the house. But it starts its journey as a slave. So the first poise of the soul is when it is in a state of utter slavery to nature. Whatever the nature does, wherever it goes, like a baby in the womb, wherever the mom goes, the baby is travels unconsciously. It has no choice actually. And when the child comes, then slowly, slowly, there comes a point at a certain stage of development when the soul begins to assert itself 
And that's when the mind, life and body may begin to resist and say, no, no, we want to carry on our old kingdom. The managers don't want to give it to the owner. The soul is the real representative. It's the delegate divinity. The owner has sent his own delegate to now manage the house. But the old managers who were managing it, if the managers are good, it's easy. But if the manager managers have been difficult, then they'll create all kinds of hurdles. So we have these managers. There is a three kinds of threefold nature. And we have the three purushas. And each of them is a manager. So if the body is nicely kept, taken care of, if it is very responsive, it's energetic, healthy, strong, receptive and plastic to the greater forces, it says, yes, I'm willing to listen to you. But if the body is full of tamas, tired, easy to fatigue, if it's prone to all kinds of habits which it should not, it eats heavily, rolls in the lust of uh, mud of lust and slime of nature, the lower vital, then the body is not capable of listening to the soul. So the moment one sits for meditation, the body draws the soul back into itself and then the whole being goes into sleep because the body is not ready or receptive to this. Similarly, the vital may be a good manager or a bad manager. So the bad manager is, no, I'll do things my way. I've been used to doing things my way. Why should you come and give me a new plan? And a good vital says, okay, I trust you because you have been sent by my master. Tell me what I should do. So between the soul's guidance and the actual implementation, these are the three managers we need to understand. Because unless we work upon them, it's okay to go within and listen to the soul, but none of them is going to follow. If the vital is not trained, and the purpose of education is to train and prepare these parts. So otherwise the vital will say, you see all the sanskaras in Indian culture, the culture, you know, a spontaneous surrender before the divine, you know, the word of the divine is regarded as highest. This is how Indian tradition came up. If something is something is written in the Gita, we don't start saying, you know, it, it may be wrong. Maybe Krishna didn't know. That's not how we grew up. It was that, well, I may not understand, but the Gita can't be wrong. I may not understand the ways of Rama, but Rama is the divine incarnate and he knows what he has done. And if I pray to him, if I aspire, I will one day understand the reason why Krishna did what he did, the reason why Rama did what he did and the reason why Mother and Shubhinda did what they do. So when we learn to live with this spontaneous trust, this vital, otherwise the bad vital says, I'll call you Mama and Papa if you keep fulfilling my demands and desires. So this one kind of relationship people form. So the soul, people often ask, if the soul comes, uh, what does my soul want me to do? And they are looking for a high jackpot. That's not how the soul operates. The soul operates with only one objective. How I can grow into the divine nature. That's the only objective. So the soul doesn't guide like that. That which you know. There are people who sometimes write. That you know. You must be having intuition about the stock market. To someone wrote to Shirvindo. That if you tell me. Where I must put uh, my money. Then you can take 30% of it. Or certain percentage of it. And obviously Shirvindo love. Soul doesn't operate like that. The vital wants like that. Believes that if the soul comes out, all my problems will be solved. My child will become a good child. My, you know, parents will start listening to me. My wife or my husband, they will suddenly start thinking, oh, he's a wonderful person. It may happen just the opposite. Because there is a natural resistance. We have moved ahead, but there are people who who have not moved along with us. And the same thing happens within. We may have developed, the soul is born, we are born into the new birth into the spirit but life may not obey because it has been used to revolting it has been used to following a certain pattern and it doesn't want to take any other pattern and then it a a conflict comes after a while depending upon eventually the soul is bound to win as we see in the story of Krishna it is the soul Krishna ultimately wins over Kansa but this can be a smooth process that process like the gopes and gopis that it surrenders and says, okay, Krishna, you call me at night, there is a flute, I'll come and I'll dance to your tune. Or it can be a very painful process where Kansa and his cohorts who keep on putting one obstacle after another, ultimately Krishna gives to Kansa also the embrace. It's the embrace of the wrestler which Kansa wanted and at the end, Kansa also has the same fate. He is absorbed back in Krishna. He becomes a lover of Krishna just toward the end of his life. 
So these are the two courses. Then there is the third manager and that manager is the mind. It is actually the head manager and very often the vital and the physical will listen to it. So here again, if the mind has been well trained, very open and the mind has trained the vital and the physical, then we don't need to do much. All that is needed is for the mind to open to the mind. Because, and that's what is the purpose of much of this education, to become reasonable, to become disciplined. Because if the mind has learned to master the vital and the physical, if the vital and the physical have learned to listen to the mind, meaning thereby if the mind tells the vital, look, you know, you are running after a pleasure, don't run after it, it will be harmful and dangerous. And the vital has learned to listen. It's much easier when the psychic emerges. Or the physical has been trained that, well, you may be feeling tired, but this is something which you need to do. Come, let us do this little exercise. Then when the soul emerges, all that it needs is to bring in its light to the mind and the mind starts. Mind was the priest, intermediate priest. Now it hands over to the head priest. Of course, most of us live without any priest. There is no centralizing part or a centralizing thought with which we need our and that's why there is a need for the ego individuality before the soul can emerge. So, you know, very often we hear about the ego dying and all that. Yes, it's true. But before even we approach, if the soul emerges and then the whole house is in disorder, there will be chaos. It is going to be frightened that, you know, it's born in a chaotic house where everything is in chaos and disorder. So the first task, that's why the journey is long, is for the mind to put the house in. It is the now it is the priest designate. It's not the main priest, but the priest designate. So what does it have? What it has to do? It has to slowly train the vital and the physical. That look here. That is how things should be. That is how things should be. Have a certain order. It's not yet the true order, but at least the, the mind is itself not living in truth. It is still like the Muslimites blind, but at least we can make our life a little more reasonable. Then after a while, when the soul emerges. Then life becomes very easy because it naturally takes over as the master. So this process when mind begins to master the vital and the physical creates man. Mother says at one place very beautifully when mind and reason control the vital you have man and it controls by either some moral ideal or its own standard of ethics. Mind picks up a highest thought and says this is highest for me. And then it organizes life around it. It will sacrifice everything except that thought. So ultimately it wants that thought. It could be a thought of truth or a thought of love. Then it's no more outer standards. It also goes through these two phases. Outer standards, moral, religious, social, which are society imposed. Its own inner standards, ethical, it, it must develop and evolve. And based on that it acts. And around this highest centralizing idea, it it organizes the life. Now this happens when the when this happens, the ego individuality is completely now ready. The mold is ready now to allow the souls to step in. And during that time, one feels stifled and prison because it wants it to come like the caterpillar before giving rise to birth to the butterfly is going through a stifling process. Almost everyone before the uh, new birth into the soul have gone through this phase. And then the soul steps in. And if the mind, the vital, then instead of a centralizing thought, instead of the ego individuality, which was a makeshift arrangement, slowly these structures are dismantled and a new temple ground is built. See this, it's like when you make a house, first there is a temporary structure. And this temporary structure is only meant to help lay the bricks and build the whole house according to the plan. But when the house is built, then the structure is dismantled. So same way, ego individuality has its place. Often people sometimes, because they've read a book, so 14-year-old says, you know, I want to get rid of my ego. What should I do? Now, if you want to get rid of your ego prematurely, what will happen is that you'll become a plaything of the cosmic forces. Anybody will come and give a kick and you will, you know, one will be just, uh, it's like one becomes a part of the mass. So in nature, everything operates very beautifully. Everything. And because it's a greater plan which has to be realized. And then the soul steps in and then it starts prepare. Now, why is the soul preparing? What is the soul preparing it for? Now the soul says the building has been constructed. There are managers, there are people who will listen to me. But I must now prepare the altar for the coming of the divine. Its purpose is to connect us with the divine. The mother says very beautifully, 
that the divine is the generator all energy power strength wisdom light comes from there and the body is like the lamp but the wire that connects it is the soul so now it prepares the altar so it cleans up the mind it starts cleaning up of all egoistic thoughts self centered basically the soul says now this house has to become a temple house is a self centered place the house is meant for the comfort of those who are living in but the temple is meant for god the priest cannot say that well if you are living here live the way you want to live you can drink you can eat whatever you wish to bring anything no the priest has to now run the house which is within the temple precincts according to the will of the deity so this is how the change begins to take place now this house has to turn into a temple and slowly all its members managers the mind vital physical have to begin to start accepting a new law a greater law a higher law the law of the psychic when this happens when the psychic being instead of being a slave and a mute witness to all that is going on becomes slowly the lord of nature the isha then it is ready to invite the divine in all his fullness so the first it must orient all nature to the light and the right and this goes on through births the psychic knows precisely how what experience will help it grow it has the original plan and then when the time is ready then it offers this whole temple has to be dedicated to the deity now somebody else has to come so what happens there is the installation of the temple and the prana pratishtha who does the prana pratishtha it is the priest who does the prana pratishtha not one who has made the you know image or the idol not somebody who had paid the money for it not the people who have gathered there witnessing the puja they may there will be homa yagya everything and there will be some people who will give money some people will do the aarti but it is the task of the priest to install and keep the deity in the sanctum sanctorum so that's what we see the beauty of the kineshu temple it is sri ramakrishna install the living goddess there there are places like that so within us too when the psychic being awakens it says well now this divine presence the mother's presence which was there within me that has to be brought out so it brings out the divine presence within and the divine mother is installed in the sanctum sanctorum of our own being of our heart. and then real life begins so this is the process of the old being taken over by the new the old governance of life which was you know i'll read from savitri how we should be described is changing into a new governance a new governance which reorients to the original plan and this reorientation means upsetting of many things because there was what we called as a governance my life was in order was actually a disorder should be to say this is this one of the first thing we discover is that my life was in a disorderly order we call it an order because we are used to it we call it like it's a good life because we are running away from from ourselves by the time in the evening we are too exhausted people take a drink go to party play some games watch a television program they are tired and they go to bed and they fall asleep they wake up in the morning mechanically good morning what's happened they start work and they call it order it's not the order it's not what the divine wants in us so the psychic being slowly starts tuning this nature to what the divine wants without this awakening this will not happen if the divine in all his fullness had to come the whole nature will be topsy turvy it has to first open that's why shubindu says the emergence of the psychic is the first necessity rather than opening to the higher regions of consciousness because if we do that the whole nature may go topsy turvy higher regions of consciousness don't operate like be ego centered human beings too if it comes the whole nature will be thrown in a tremendous chaos and confusion because one will not know what to do and how to do because the measures of human measures the standards the yardsticks are not the standards yardsticks and measures of the higher consciousness so the psychic comes and slowly starts attuning nature it does it in a nice way beautiful way till nature is prepared for the influx of the greater consciousness and then eventually till the nature is ready for the influx of the supramental forces and the complete transformation so i'll close by reading this uh, there are a lot of passages i'll just quickly i'll not read it but those who want to read from savitri there is a beautiful passage on page 23 which describes the entire journey of the soul growing into a psychic being 
psychic being is when it has become independent with all these experiences, it has put out from within itself the divine possibility. Then when such a psychic being is born, it's born free. It knows its mission because it knows this is the work of the divine I have to do. There's no more confusion that I have to do this, I have to do that. It's born for that and it arranges all the circumstances of its life. And then eventually it develops further till it becomes it so much identified with the divine that this is on page 23 where the journey page uh, yes 23 where the journey starts with this bodily appearance is not all his fragile ship conveys through the sea of years an incognito of the imperishable a spirit that is a flame of god abides a fiery portion of the wonderful artist of its his own beauty and delight and then it goes further determining predestined shape and act passenger from life to life from scale to scale changing his image self from form to form he regards the icon growing by his gaze and in the warm foresees the coming god and then at last the traveler on the path of time ultimately it goes to a point still further emergence of the soul is not enough it must identify with the divine mother just like we see sri ramakrishna completely identified with mother kali so it must identify eventually with the inner divine then what happens toward the end in the creature the unveiled creatrix works her face is seen through his face her eyes through his eyes her being is his to a vast identity then is revealed in man the over divine the static oneness and dynamic power descend in him the integral godhead seals the soul and body take their splendid stand so this is the journey of man and another page where he describes the psychic being very beautifully speed 48 49 that it is the origin and the master clue is silence overhead an inner voice a living image seated in the heart an unwalled wideness and a fathomless point the truth of all these cryptic shows in space the real towards which are striving smooth a splendor a treasure of honey in the combs of god a splendor burning in a tenebrous cloak it is our glory of the flame of god and uh, there are several places uh, the description comes in the heavens of the ideal we see the passage through the deathless souls and what happens when we start living life according to the by the psychic being then by a touch a presence or a voice the world is turned into a temple ground and all discloses the unknown beloved so this but the one which we read now at the end of all is uh, from book 7 canto 5 the finding of the soul and then we have a very detailed description first of uh, this leader of the human mind the psychic being the little soul this is a special grace given to him because of this even the brute can change because of this even the most wicked of the wicked can become the holiest of the holy because of this ratnakar carries the potential of a valmiki and anguli mal of a disciple of buddha this in us is the godhead small and mad this in us laughs and weeps suffers the stroke but she starts very beautifully but since she knows the toil of mind and life you often say oh divine has left us helpless no even in utter seeming helplessness it takes care look at this creation look at the plants the leaves the trees the bird the beast everyone in his own way but with man he has done something still special he has put a portion of himself into man he says no no i'll not leave it to just the universal nature and then time and again he comes and tells that's where i am but man once again turns to all the number of all the pigs on his list he doesn't trust the word of god that's why he used to come again and again sometimes you wonder you know why dashavatar why not vanavatar comes and does finish <laughs> after all is the divine well because man is not ready so we have this journey but since she knows the toil of mind and life as a mother feels and shares her children's lives she puts forth a small portion of herself a being no bigger than the thumb of man into a hidden region of the heart to face the pain and to forget the bliss to share the suffering and endure earth's wounds and labor with the labor of the stars 
So the solution of every difficulty ultimately is to turn within and come in contact with the psychic essence. But for that, you have to go through that process. It won't happen if the psychic essence, the soul, is still wrapped up in clothes of darkness. We suddenly say one day there is something called as the soul, something called as inner divine. Let me try it. It won't happen. It's a passage. It's a journey. We have to feed now the psychic with the true milk. And that true milk is mother's grace, mother's name, going to places which are charged by her presence, reading books which are full of her presence. When we do these things, when we are in the company of those who have a developed psychic being, or in a satsang like the one we are having now. All this is meant to feed the psyche. Otherwise, it remains like a little baby. It often, it suffers. It goes hungry. It's, it can't die. But it is starved into coma. Because we have starved the soul, all life it remains comatose. And that's the only tragedy of life. Tragedy of life is not, you know, how much money one earned, whether one built a big house or not, you know. Uh, the married life, happiness, etc., etc. If you see that way, Shrivindran, the mother's life will be tragic. But, or all others, Sri Ramakrishna, Swami Vivekananda, all the great masters, you think their life is tragic. But when we understand the tragedy of life is to have starved this little one, not allowing it to grow, not feeding it with the right things, especially after having known. It's one thing then when one doesn't know that there is a soul. But we are so fortunate that we know there is something like that. We have faith in what Mother and Shivinda have said and still we let it start. That is real tragedy. So this is the Godhead. So what happens when it steps out, that is also beautifully described in the same canto. Automatically a change begins to come. It's like, you know, in a party or marriage party, uh, there's chaos, everything. But the moment the bride and the bridegroom come, everybody becomes quiet. They all turn towards that. So similarly, when the soul steps out, everything in us automatically, spontaneously turns toward the light and the right. We don't have to teach it. We don't have to give a moral science lesson, which is largely a kind of dogmatic set of beliefs and assertions, which may be useful at this stage. The book is needed till the divine presence is awake. But when the divine presence is awake, you have the living sun. You don't need the lamp or the book. So when that happens, then automatically nature, it will not do something which it knows to be not right, right in, not in the moral sense, but in the larger sense, and which is not turned towards the light. Even if it does, because the nature is pulling in a different direction, very soon it will orient itself. It is true that there will be a tussle. It will not, the nature doesn't leave usually its governance, but slowly it gets oriented. And then what happens the immortal's thoughts displaced our bounded view. Page 529. The immortal's thoughts, earth's drab idea and sense. All things now bore a deeper, heavenlier sense. A glad, clear harmony mark their truths outline. Reset the balance and measures of the world. Right now we have either egoistic standards or the social standards. But it resets the balance. Each shape showed its occult design, unveiled God's meaning in it for which it was made. The immortal's will took into its calm control our blind or erring government of life. A loose republic once of wants and needs, life now obeyed to a diviner rule and every act became an act of God. And then he described that when this is done, then the Divine Mother, she comes streaming in and the serpent wakes up the entire description so beautiful. And at the end of it, he says, Out, the first perfection stage is reached at last. Out of the wood and stone of our nature stuff. We are dead people without the psyche, awakening, truly speaking. We think we are alive, but we are like automatons, like, you know, those chabiwala kilona in which, you know, people have put the key, nature puts the key. Until the key is put, it moves like the heart, the breath, and impulses, instincts, hunger, and we just live life. But when this happens, a first perfection stage is reached at last. Out of the wood and stone of a nature stuff, a temple is shaped where the high gods would live. Then truth is born, then love is born, then bliss is born, that can remold our life, then peace is born, then harmony comes spontaneously because soul is the leader. Kartike is the leader of the gods. At the cosmic level, he represents the soul. 
So the moment the soul emerges, all these gods come. Yes, yes, this fellow is the right leader. With the mind very uncertain, they will come and leave. They will say, no, no, no. Nature is not ready for a working. Even if the struggling world is left outside, one man's perfection still can save the world. There is one a new proximity to the skies, the first betrothal of the earth to heaven. This betrothal is where nature and the divine first marriage that takes place is between soul and our earth nature. A deep concordat between truth and life, a camp of God is pitched in human time. Thank you. there are any questions we can take um, alok bhai before we take any questions i request james ji to just share his thoughts um, his about yes. this talk yes um thank you very much to alok for the exposition of the significance of the soul and really it's down to us all to make are being a beautiful and well-ordered temple for the psychic being to preside and master over um thank you very much and uh really wonderful session thank you thank you thank you um so the first question we have alokai is uh, which part of us is equivalent to the priest of the temple the mind or the soul it is the soul but the mind behaves it's like a delegate priest temporarily till the priest comes he is the fellow <laughs> behaves like a priest so you know it is the neta it is not the priest it is the leader till the priest comes so he is described as mana prana sharira neta so in our ignorance it is the mind who is the manager but the moment soul steps out it is always the true priest because it it is the only one who knows the right and the symbol of the sacrifice it has the mantra all these in the inmost sense and when the soul steps out then it can start doing the true sacrifice the mind but in the beginning we start in ignorance so we pick up the as i said in the first stage of our journey it is the ego individuality which is being formed so instead of a vital ego dominating us let it be a more satvik ego with the mind highest thought at its peak but we must know it is a provisional scheme he is not the true master of the house he is only a delegate till the master steps but before the master comes in the priest of the sacrifice must come and cleanse the house and prepare it and make ready for the prana pratishtha for the master to come so that's the sequence okay um this another question we have is you said the soul gives rise to spirit but isn't spirit and soul distinct the soul gives rise to spirit no i don't think i said that i said soul is a special grace from the spirit that basically mother's uh, word in volume 9 she speaks of this that it is a special grace of the divine himself which has been given to man so it is not soul doesn't give rise to spirit spirit exists independent of the soul spirit is there beyond time and space but the soul has entered into the play of time and space so it is like hanuman and uh, rama the two are one and the two are inseparable and it, you know <laughs> you can't think of rama without uh, you can't think of hanuman without thinking of rama and you can't think of rama without thinking of hanuman so the soul and the spirit are like that so one is meant to serve the purpose for 